0: Well, good morning, I'm Pastor Mark, the lead pastor here, oh wait, I'm Brian Leach, I'm the, uh, one of the pastors here on staff, I'm responsible for children, um, and I love it. So, uh, I want to try something really quick, uh, just to make sure you're out there, because the lights are pretty bright on me. Um, I want to get a response from you. I do this when I speak at camps, but uh, it's really good. I want to hear you repeat after me. Taste and see, Taste and see. That, the Lord is good. that the Lord is good. Yeah, that was okay, but only half of you participated. So, we're going to try it again. Now that you're awake, repeating after me means say what I say, all right? Taste and see, Taste and see. That, the Lord is good. that the Lord is good. Now there's people out there. It's good that you're here today. Well, uh, I am going to ask at this time for all the kids to come up because they're here today. And I want you to stand right here in front here. I'm going to do something I'm very nervous about. So kids, come on up. Come on up. There you go. I see them coming. And another, and another All right, you guys want to have a seat on the floor right there? I have asked, I'm nervous about this, I'm telling you. I have asked uh, (laughs) Gianna and Jillian to bring an item in a sack. And I am supposed to do some kind of Biblical story explanation from the item in this sack. Now, there's a rule to this. It's called Sermon in the Sack. Any Anybody ever heard of it? I haven't done it in a long time. So, please have mercy on my soul. Uh, when I was younger, I found that I was a little more uh, quick to respond. Uh, as I get older, I'm like, okay, it comes slower to me. So, I'm real nervous about this part. Um, but come on up. Gianna, she's got a sack. I want you to stand right here on this step. Can you come up here and stand? Isn't she adorable? <laughs> I picked her, I texted her mom, and I picked her because she's adorable. And, uh, so I thought all right I can pick her because she's so uh fun loving and it, you know she she'll come up with something really cool and then I remembered that uh I went with her dad to preteen retreat uh, a couple years in a row and uh he's pretty creative and I'm like uh so uh Gianna did your dad help you pick that out No I just picked it out. She just picked it out. I may be okay then. All right, I do know uh, from a text I got last night and a picture of a frog that you found. And uh, there is a rule that it can't be living and it can't be once been alive. So, I'm assuming you don't have a frog in there, right? No, I okay. let it out last night. You let it out last night. Oh, I'm safe then. All right, is it okay? It feels pretty heavy. I'm nervous. Okay. There's two different colors. Yeah. One is yellow and one is green. What are these? These are lemon and a lime. A lemon and a lime. Have you ever tried a lemon? Yeah. What are lemons like? Sour. They're sour. What about a lime? Have you tried a lime? No. No. Who's tried a lime? Trey, you've tried a lime. Who's tried a lime? Yep. Um, We put these in, we can put these in drinks and teas. All right. Gianna, you can have a seat. You did a good job. You can sit next to your sister. Um, Now, I already know what I'm going to say, so I'm a little relieved now. Um, This month, we've been talking about um, a life app, something that we can apply to our um to our lives, um. And this month, the life app is what? Yep, say it louder. Uniqueness, Uniqueness. and just like uh, this here, a lemon and a lime. They taste different, but they're each unique. Now, a, a lemon is more common used in. Um, Tea, when they ask for water or tea at a restaurant, would you like that with lemon? Yeah. I usually say no. But how many's ever had lemonade from a fresh squeezed lemon? Now, lemonade is sour. What do you need to do to make it sweet? Put ice in it? it. Well, ice sweeten it up? What do you need to do? Put sugar in it. Nobody likes sugar, right? Because sugar's in candy and nobody likes candy. Right? You, you like candy? Yeah. Really? All right. Now, lime tastes different, but it looks kind of the same other than they're uh, different colors, right? But each one of them are unique. Just like we've been talking about all month long. That we're unique. Not one of us look the same as somebody else. Even identical twins look different than each other in some way. So we're all unique, just like the lemon and the lime. They have their purpose. You can use them for different things, but they taste different. God created them different. God created one to do one purpose and one to do another, just like God's created you to do something special that maybe nobody else can do. And that's the plan he has for you, all right? I did pretty good. I feel relieved. All right, now, I want all of you kids to stand up. I want you to face the screen because we're going to have a little competition, all right? The competition is you against all the big people behind you. So, you know we do competitions on this, right? right. And to make it fair, I'm going to go ahead and let you look. Because some of you haven't been here every week of the month. So, I'm going to let you look at it. Usually, I have them turn around, and they've got to face the back wall, and they have to try to recite this from memory. But I'm going to let you say it, and I'm going to let you go first. And then, uh, you should, should I let you go first, or should I let the adults go first? Adults. The adults. So, you can you kind of test out your competition. Yeah. All right. I need all the adults to stand up. Jacob already said he's going to lose. I don't know. This is their first time. And sometimes grown-ups don't participate. So, it's, it's fine. All right. I think you're good. All right. So, you guys listen to the adults. You're very quiet when they say it. And then when they're done, you'll get a chance. I'm banking on the kids. That's what I think. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. When I say three, I want you to say uniqueness And then recite the definition. Ready? One, two, three. That was pretty good, but there was a little echo in there. They weren't together, so you guys can be seated. All right. You guys know the rule, right? We're not looking for really volume and loud. We're looking for you guys saying it together on the very same word. So, I want you to say it together when I say three. One, two, three. You need this. Discover you made you to so you can make a difference. You guys are the winners. <laughs> okay, now. Just to make this interesting, though. We're not going to have them do it again, but we're going to have you do it again while you face them. I want you to turn around, and when I say three, I want you to recite it the best you can remember all together. One, two, three. Awesome job. You guys can have a seat. You guys can have a seat. Now I can take a deep breath, and let's, uh, let's talk about what God has prepared for us today. Um, we've been doing a series, um, before I forget, because I, I almost forgot this, I knew I'd forget, so I wrote it down. Uh, this past week, we had a celebration of life for someone who is very influential to me and maybe to all of you or many of you in the room that uh, we had a celebration of life of uh, Garnet Beam who passed away and it went on to be with her uh, Lord and Savior. And uh, we get to have another celebration of life this coming week. Um, Yesterday morning, uh, Rita Anderson... um, um, Riccardi, sorry, Rita Anderson Riccardi passed away yesterday morning and went on to be with her uh, Savior and Lord, and the viewing is going to be here at the church Wednesday from 5 to 8, and the celebration of life service will be Thursday morning at 11 o'clock. I want to make sure I get that right. Um, I talked to Jody Anderson in the hallway, and she said uh, that Garnet went to be with... Um, The Lord enjoying heaven and then all of a sudden um, she called down to Rita and said, Rita, it's beautiful up here. Come on up. So uh, that's going to be happening this week. So I wanted to make sure that, that everyone knows that. We've been talking about uh, stories, parables that Jesus told and today we're going to continue and I was kind of hoping um, that when it got to my turn to preach that this particular story um, was not taken and that all the pastors that preached this helped get this series, uh, fulfilling this series uh, wouldn't take mine and because I think I'm one of the last ones so uh, I- I'm glad to say that I get to preach on Luke chapter 15, so uh, want something that's really, really cool. Um, now, this particular chapter, we could actually break it down into a three-sermon series. It's that, that, I mean, there's a lot of detail in this, um, but because I only get to preach once or twice a year, I'm going to do it in 20 minutes, okay? So just so you know, so I want you to listen fast, uh, because we're gonna we're gonna go through this. Um, we're looking at Luke chapter f- 15, and this is the the parable that we've heard many times before. Maybe you've heard this uh, a ton of times. Um, and a lot of times, when you read something over and over again, uh, you just tend to skim over it and say, "Oh yeah, I remember that story." Um, uh, farmer lost his sheep. He had a hundred sheep. He lost one. He went to find it. Then he, uh, then he goes on to a, a woman who lost a coin. She had ten, and she went to find it. And then the parable of the lost son, which is what we're going to focus on today. Um, the first, uh, we're going we're gonna to read, first service I read the entire chapter, and I felt like I was reading a long time. So, We're going to just uh, kind of go over, we're going to focus on the parable of the lost son. So Jen, we're just going to do those verses starting at verse number 11. Um, But just to set it up, Jesus told two parables before this. And at the beginning of the parables completely, I just want to set this up. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. All right. So they often came, and then the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, are there, and they're upset about this, because he's associating himself with sinners, even eating with them. Oh, the nerve. So the... Jesus knew this, so he thought he would tell a story and kind of paint a picture for us. And he told three parables, and they're right in a row. The first one is the story of the lost sheep. There's a a farmer who has a hundred sheep, and one of them is missing— So he goes and he finds the one that's missing and when he brings it back he rejoices, he carries it back home and he calls his friends and they have a party because he found his lost sheep. And then the second parable is the coin. A a lady lost a coin in her home. She had ten. She only has nine now. So she turns on the lamp in the house. She searches and sweeps the entire house till she finds it. And when she finds it again, she has a party, calls her friends, and they rejoice. And both of these instances, Jesus says, this is the same way the Father is in heaven. That when one is lost, we have a party in heaven. And when they come to know Christ and they're found, they go to heaven. Or they, they have a party in heaven. Now, the third parable Uh, It talks about in verse 11, it's where um, Jesus illustrates this point even further. Jesus told uh, this story, and then he goes on to this story. Now, I want you to catch here before I read this parable that the first two stories that Jesus told, the owner went to find in search of. The lost item, a sheep and a coin. And that's where he's talking to the sinners in the crowd. Jesus seeks us out, God seeks us out to find us. Well, he shifts the third story, and it's a little different. This time, the Father is looking out for the Son who has has come home. He's anticipating his return. So let's read this together. Um, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of my estate before you die. So the father agrees to divide his wealth between the sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all His money on wild living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer uh, to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed his pigs. The young man became so hungry that the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, himself, at home, even hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make, take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer to be worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So par- the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard the music and the dancing in the house. And he said to the servant, what was going on? Your brother is back, we told, he was told. And the father has killed the fattened calf to celebrate because of his safe return. The older brother uh, was hungry. The older brother was angry, not hungry. He was angry. The younger brother was hungry. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all the time you never gave even one young goat For a feast for my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after uh, squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by uh, killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look dear child, dear son. You have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We have to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, and he's now found. In this scripture, it talks about, Jesus paints a picture of our Father in heaven, how much he loves us and wants to restore relationship. I thought it was great when, when a plan works out, all the worship songs we talked about was about God's grace, his amazing love, and his, his love for us by shedding grace for us. And I didn't even tell him what I was preaching on. It's, it's, it's good how the Holy Spirit just kind of works in our lives and tries to speak to us in certain ways. Well, when Jesus told this story, he was trying to help the Pharisees. Understand, along with the sinners that God our father in heaven how much he totally loves us how much he cares for us one thing we should know about this story first of all uh, in this story there are three characters one is, is the forgiving father which represents the, the God in heaven who he lo- loves us so much Second, there's the youngest son who uh, has asked for his inheritance and wandered off into a distant land to celebrate and party on wild things. He would represent the sinner who is lost. And then the third one is the older son. Now, the older son kind of represents the Pharisees, those that think they're entitled but doesn't know anything about grace, forgiveness, and And love of the father. They read about it. They know it in their head. But they can't translate it to their heart. Today in this story. Jesus tells us. How we should totally. And undeniably. Understand and know. How loving our father is. So the son, he asked the father, he says, Give me my inheritance. Now, this is pretty rude, and actually, it is very unloving that the son would ask for money from his father. Because an inheritance is after the father passes away. So it's kind of um it's kind of rude and not very loving. So in other words, the son is wishing that his father was dead because he's tired of waiting around for him to die, and he wants his money now, so he gets it. Now uh back to understand the inheritance, um, it kind of works different than uh today. There's two sons. The oldest child, the oldest son, always gets twice as much as the the other siblings. Now, in this case, there's two siblings, two boys. So, the oldest child gets two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger son gets one-third. I got to thinking as I was reading this, I'm the oldest of two, of three children, and I'm the only boy. I was like, hmm, I wonder if that works today. My inheritance is, hmm. Anyway, uh, so, that was the, the inheritance that was given out. So the son asked, give me my third, dad. I want to go on. I want to go off. I already know where I want to go. And you know what? It, it, it paints a picture for a lot of times we want to be independent. And there's things that we want. And there's things that, uh, that we, want to, we really want to strive for and we want, to, we want to get. And sometimes we just can't wait to get it. Until we should. Um, It was a case with this younger son. He didn't want to wait. He wanted his money. He wanted to be gone. He thought this out. It was a plan. It was intentional. So, the loving, forgiving father says, okay, son. Now, I don't know if it was me. If it were me, I probably would have said, wait a minute, I'm not ready to give up the money. It's still earning interest in the bank. I'm not wanting to give it to you right now. You get it when I, but he did not. And that's just the way our heavenly father is. We have a free will and the Lord loves us so much, but he's not going to make you serve him. So he, he tells the son, he says, uh, you know what? Here you go. This is your inheritance. I love you, son. I don't want you to go, but here you go. A few days later, and I don't know why uh, Jesus said a few days. Maybe he wanted to make it clear that there was a intention. It was thought out. He had it planned. And I don't know uh, where he traveled. It doesn't say. It just says he, he, he squandered all the money on wild living. So I don't know if that was Las Vegas. I don't know if that was Disney World in Orlando. I don't know where that was. But he went and he squandered all his money, money that he did not earn. It was his father's money. It was free money to him. So he thought he wanted to live the big life. Separation from God. He moved from his father. Moving to a different uh, long distant land. Is separation from the father. This is describing a a sinful act. Um, Jesus says even Two, or three chapters back in Luke 15, or twelve, chapter verse fifteen, it said Jesus says, "Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed." This is a greed problem. Um, Life is not content in an abundance of possessions. Life is not fulfilled; doesn't bring joy by owning things. The boy thought, I think I want to own things and try this out. And the boy, the young son, tested this. And we all know in the end that he found out that it does bring despair. Sin always promises more than it gives. Sin takes you further than you want to go. Sin leaves you worse off than you were before. And sin promises freedom, but it brings slavery. The young son figured all this out. This was all written in this story that he went and he squandered all his money. I don't know how long it took him, but he, he it, it, it appears that he just did it all. Like, I'm going to blow it on everything. I'm sure he gathered a lot of friends. When I've heard this story told many times before, uh, we can read a lot into it and kind of figure out that uh, the, the son probably had money. So, he was buying all kinds of things. And when you buy things, people are on board. They want to be your friends. And he gathered all of this friendship. He was in this house. High life of living, he was having a blast until it was all gone. So Jesus says in this story that it was, it was all gone. He squandered it all, and about that time, a famine came into the land, which means there was very poor crops, hard to buy, fine food, you, could, you couldn't find it, and you had to have money to buy it. I mean, it got expensive, and there was famine in the land. Now, the sun the youngest son, as he's out, after he runs out of money, he's thinking. He's starting to wonder and he's starting to know and realize, hey, I'm really in trouble here. I have no money. Nobody's given me anything. All those friends that said they would be with me till the end, they're not around. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to a farmer and I'm going to beg him to hire me. And I'll make money. Now, the son finds a farmer. He tries to do it on his own, and it was a failure. He didn't make much money in that time because probably the famine. So he's trying to earn a living, and then he gets really hungry. And when it gets really hungry, when you're slopping pigs. Now, uh, I worked on a farm when I was younger and lived in Nashville. Uh, when my dad was going to Trevecca, I, I worked on a farm for a guy. And uh, he had some pigs, not many of them. But uh, we, slopped the, we slopped the hogs is what we called it. And uh, so I, I was able to experience that. There's no way, I don't think, that I could be hungry enough to eat what we put in the trough for those f- hogs to eat. These were not uh, corn-fed pigs. They were definitely the slop of the slop. I mean, we would get food from everywhere and just kind of throw it all in together. But he, the scripture says that he looked at the pods and they thought they were actually looking good to him. He had to be pretty hungry. And so he wanted to eat them. And that's when it was kind of the last straw. He came to his senses and he says, you know what? This is ridiculous. Even the servants back at my dad's house have more than what I have. This is not the life I wanted it to be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go home, and I'm going to beg my dad. I'm going to say, Dad, I'm sorry. I've sinned against heaven, sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I get that. But if you could, would you please hire me as your servant? He had it all planned out. I don't know if he wrote it out. But if we, at first glance, when we look at this scripture, we might think he was motivated because he was hungry. All right, yeah, the boy goes back home because he's hungry. And that is, uh, that's why he went back, because he was motivated by his hunger. But when we read, he talks about, he mapped it out. He said, number one, I'm going to go back to my dad. Number two, I'm going to ask for his forgiveness and let him know that, hey, I, I, I sinned against him and I did a wrong thing. I squandered his money. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a mess. I am feel so much guilt. Number three, I'm going to ask him if he'll hire me because I know nobody would put me back as his child. He won't take me back. So, he was willing to work for his dad. He, he's already working for someone for a real little pay, and that was more work than he did when he was with his dad before. But he says, You know what? I'm going to really put an effort to this. I'm going to just try to prove myself that I'm sorry, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to map it out. Well, when we read scripture, and I didn't catch this the first time or first several times I read this, but I want you to understand that when he went back to his father, his forgiving father, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer be worthy to be called your son. The father stops right there. He doesn't even let him finish, and he calls the servant over and he says, "Give this. Give my son has returned. He ran to him. He hugged him, and he kissed him." Now notice that in the scripture uh, of a forgiving father who Scripture says that he saw him a long ways off. I don't know how long a long ways is. But I can just picture his dad just wrenching his hands, pacing the living room, and looking out the window. Is he coming down the drive yet? And when I picture that, I think of our Heavenly Father who wants relationship with us. He does not want us to be lost. He's concerned about us when we're away from him. He's concerned that we have to go through some of the things that sin brings disappointments, deceit, lies. And he's worried about his son, and he sees him a long way off. And when he sees him a long way, it's undignified to run as an adult. But when he saw his son, he started running. And when he got to his son, he wrapped his arms around his son. I can see you better down here. He, he, he wrapped his arms around his son and he said, I love you. He kissed him. And his son started talking. He probably didn't even understand what his son said. He was saying, Dad, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I sinned against you. And, and then he said, I'm no longer to be worthy of your son. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 right. Hey, servants, come over here. I want you to get the best robe I have in the house, which would have had to been His. I want you to put it around his his body. I want you to get, give him a ring, a sandals for his feet. Now, that wasn't like any servant. And then I want you to fill the fattest calf because they only did this in celebrations. And he says, I want you to kill the, the, the fattest calf and I want you to bring it because we are going to have a party today because my son was lost, now he's found, he's dead, and now he's alive. And that's the way the heavenly father feels about you because he loves you. He doesn't want guilt to be on you. He doesn't want you to hurt He doesn't want you to walk down the valley of sin because he wants the best for you. But this is a picture of the son who said, oh, I don't care what that is, but then came back and repented. And that's the way the father restores you. We don't deserve it. The son didn't deserve it. He did nothing to deserve it. And if this was a a case in the Pharisees, they wouldn't be having a party. They would be having a funeral. And that's the way our human tendency is, right? They get what he deserves. He should have never done that. I don't know if we should accept him back or not. The loving Father holds no sin against us. From a repentant heart. Let's talk about the older son. The older son hears the commotion. Comes in from the field. He hears the, uh, all the stuff that's going on. He says, what's going on? The servant says, uh, they're having a party for your brother. He's come back. And uh, they're, they killed the fattest calf. Put some really nice clothes on him. And they're having a party. Well, the brother who the older brother who represents the Pharisees in this story who Jesus was referring to as he was telling this story um, was angry. That's not fair. That's not fair. I'm not going in. I'm not going into the house. There's absolutely no way you're going to find me in the house. He should not be having a party for him. There's no way. I'm staying right out here. Don't even think that I'm going in the house. Well, that was also disrespectful to the father because in those days, the oldest son would host the party because he would want the reunion of his father and his son to be together. But he was resentful and he said, I'm not doing it. So as he did that, the father, the forgiving father, the loving father comes out and he begs him. says, come on in. Your brother is here. Let's rejoice. The older son says, I can't do it, pops. I can't go in there. I mean, I have been here with you the entire time. I know everything about this farm. I can run it if I, you, you need me to. I've never told you no. I know everything about this place. I can run it. And you're, 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 you're this brother of yours, he didn't even refer him to his own brother, this brother of yours goes and squanders all your money, He blows it all. And then he comes back, and you expect me to come to a party? The father looks at his older son and he says, Son, my dear son, everything that I have, everything that I own is yours. It's yours. You're blessed. You've been with me all this time, and I love you so much. I'm so grateful. It is yours, and you are so rich. But we must celebrate today. For your brother was once lost, now is found. He was dead, and now he's alive. Now, the Jesus didn't go on to say what the... Uh, what the conclusion of the, the oldest son did, but we do know what the Pharisees did. They continued to trap and trick Jesus. They didn't understand this whole grace and forgiveness and love thing, even though they knew it here. They, they didn't understand. There's got to be fairness to this, right? Right? If you go and do things that you're not supposed to do and you know it, there should be consequences and it should be fair. and You should not be accepted back into your rightful place. you got to earn it. That's not the way the Heavenly Father, the Father in this story, as Jesus paints a picture for us, that's not the way our Father in Heaven is. He wants restoration. He wants your relationship. He wants to reignite, rekindle what you had. He wants to place you in his, to be his son or daughter again. He's anticipating that day. All oh, the love of our Heavenly Father. When you look at this text and you listen to how Jesus taught, He's describing a picture that we can't understand. It's a love and a forgiveness that we'll never get or comprehend. But all I know is it's free and we're not held accountable for the sins that we've done. When we ask for forgiveness and we repent, it's separated from us as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. Problem is we do. We don't forgive ourselves. And when we bring up the sin again, Jesus says, what sin? I've restored you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. As I conclude with the, the message today, I want it to be clear. I want us to understand That this is not a pass you by once overnight kind of God. This is a God who has always been, always is, and always will be in love with you. You can't run far enough away from the Lord that he can't redeem you. He loves you no matter what you do. And he wants to restore you. He wants to free you from guilt, shame, deception. He's the truth. And this is exactly the picture Jesus has painted, not only for them, but written in scriptures for you and I to read so that we can understand and know just a glimpse of how our Heavenly Father feels about you and I. And we're going to close with a question that I want to ask you. Is there anyone in the story that you say, I can refer to that? Yes, that's me. Is it maybe the Pharisee type, the older son, who's always wanting it to be fair? You know God's Word. You do the right things. But maybe you condemn those who don't outwardly show the love of the Father. Or maybe... You're the son who's lost, who's wandered off, drifted to a far land, and you feel separated from God. God's anticipating to to be reunited with you because he loves you. Or maybe you just say, this is a great story. It's a good reminder of God's love for me. And I say to you, keep the good work. Keep up the good work. Because God loves you. He wants you to know that there are sinners around you. That you can make a difference in their life with his power. By sharing his love. Like God did to the lost son.